Gaming NBS episode 306, coming to you Monday, August 17th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's here. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? How are how you feeling, buddy? Uh, the meds help, but I found out that in uh, in my neck, in case nobody cares about this fast word, um, cervical vertebrae 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 are in various stages of not good. So you get referred to a neck guy, neck specialist at UW-Madison, hopefully the next week or so, and go see what has to be done. My, the theory is cortisone shot to the nerve to start with and then determine what happens after that. My doc says... Maybe surgery, maybe not. Depends. That's why we go to specialists, right? So that they can be smart and figure things out. So it's annoying because it hurts, right? And you can basically, sometimes I can podcast without pain. <laughs> Other times you sit, you do stuff, you go lay down. Walk over here, eat something, lay down. I was making really good progress, getting in better shape, and now I can't do much. It's annoying. So, but, and, uh... In uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. I know a lot of people with a lot worse things. So I'm trying to perspective it. You know, it sucks when something's happening to you, but this is a literal pain in my neck. But other than that, healthy. So hard to complain too far, you know what I mean? Yeah. So did you game this last weekend or week? I did game. I gamed on Sunday. Uh, BX game with Hobbs, uh, Lincium game. So oh, that, nice. Yeah. I ran Delta Green on Thursday. Ooh, how'd that go? Was good, I thought. Session one. Um, yeah, it was it was decent. I liked it. I think the team Anybody the, die? The, nobody died yet. Nothing yeah, pretty low, game. pretty low key. Didn't um, shoot anybody, nothing. They uh they have not shot anybody yet. No no need for shooting yet. Yes. No okay, yet. all right, fair, yeah, fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I have one other thing I'm having to deal with. Uh, what did I do? My kids were busy, so we did not play Merp. I ran my, oh, I did not run, excuse me, I'm running Avalon tomorrow for my home group. Undermountain last time was a really mellow Undermountain. We didn't, uh, didn't get in a fight. <laughs> we kind of, we were at the post end of clearing out this drow piece, made a lot of friends. More role-playing, figure things out, got to Skullport. Trying to made the right friends in the right order, which is not usual for us. We usually end up in a pile of crap right out of the gate, but we did pretty well. Found a nice place, a uh, decent place to camp out. I think a couple players might swap out characters just to uh, do a little something different. So we'll see what happens. Well, that's fantastic, It was a man. good game, though. It was a good game. That's good to good to hear. I, so while you're you're still monkeying with technical stuff, I am I, still monkeying with technical stuff. That's fine. I have um, in kind of a, as part of my Brett wants to mess with game systems thing. I've run Avalon using the Osric rule system before, and I want to do that again. Had a really good time with it. So I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to run for the BSers, and I wanted to do something different than Five E, but I still wanted to do Avalon. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? The hell with it. 
going to give it the Osric rules uh, approach. Had a good time with it before. I modify it a little bit, so it won't be anything crazy. I think I know what I want to do. Might be, Sean, you gave me an idea of a heist, so it might be a little heisty oriented. A pack of thieves, perhaps. But uh, we'll come up with something. So um, I will get with you, and we'll get that on the schedule. And I'll put something out in the forums for BSers and patrons and such to hopefully get in on. So co coming soon. Just got to get my details together. Um, Sounds great. Are you are you gonna run? And I'm sorry if I missed it. I was frantically trying to figure something out. But did, right. are you gonna try? Are you gonna do home, like a homebrew AD and D Azric thing? Or are you a gonna, little bit? I, I add. Um, I do a little something with uh, skills, kind of a little five E borrow type of thing from skills. I was doing some reading up this last weekend while my kids were gone. I had time to re um, revisit what I had done last time I used Azric with Avalon. That was a good success. Kevin did that one with me and a number of other guys. So. We're gonna pull that back out. Should be fun. Sweet. So look for an update on that coming coming soon, folks. And Brett, man, you gotta. I mean, I know you want to run and everything, and but you know, health wise, if you're feeling like garbage, it doesn't pay. No, uh, no it's not. It's not torture fun. yourself. That, that's why I'm trying to figure out when what makes the most sense. And part of it is in lieu. Of, I in not lieu of. I'm waiting to hear from doctor. Right. If they say come in here, we'll stick you in your neck. Oh, look at that. You'll feel great for months on end until we schedule surgery. Fine. You know, or whatever it is. Because as, you know, as my doctor said, he's just a generalist going back into my health again. But generalist looks at things, goes, ooh, that looks bad. Send you off to somebody who knows this shit for a living, right? Somebody who does necks and spines and such. So, yeah, we'll see what we see. Hopefully it's nothing too drastic. Yeah. Well, cool, cool. So um, a virtual game whole con. We've talked about that before. That's coming. Yes. Heroes Save Villages. Sean, what the hell are you doing here, man? So Heroes Save Villages is a charity. Um, I think they're based out of Canada. I don't, I, I, man, I should know what that's about. Um, and I probably could Google it and look it up. But Kevin Madison, if you don't know who Kevin is, he's a gentleman in Canada who this is one of his charities dear to his heart. He does a lot of streaming on Twitch on Hobbs's channel at Hobbs665 on Twitch. And he's got Dungeon Musings YouTube channel as well. And Dungeon Musings YouTube channel is what he streams to when he's running a game. And so Kevin has run a lot of like um, Night Below campaign, AD and second edition AD&D. Oh, cool. He's also run Delta Green. So he's kind of a multifaceted gamer, if you will. And... Um, so he has a charity, and he was wanting to raise some money. He has the Beetle and Grimm complete Eberron schmancy fancy thing to give away, Damn. product to give away, yeah. And so he, Hobbs and he and I think Steve Grodzicki had come together in some shape, way, shape, or form and said, hey, there, there's a cha charity event and asked if I would be a part of that. And I said, absolutely sure if I can make it during the date. So it's the 29th of August on Saturday, um, or that's, yes, yeah, Saturday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Hobbs's channel, which is Hobbs665. Uh, Hobbs, I think, is running Low Fantasy Gaming. So oh, Hobbs nice. is running. Kevin's going to be participating. And Steve Grodzicki who is uh, he's a patron of the show, and we featured his low fantasy gaming with Hobbs. And so apparently um, he's going to be joining us all the way from Australia to be on the show. I think his time starts at 7 a.m. And so we'll be – there is a page 
to donate to. And then if you do donate, that's how Kevin can put your name in for that drawing. Uh, I may try to contribute a couple things, maybe like the hidden necropolis um, from Robert Nemeth. And if I've got maybe one of the Eberron, um, exploring Eberron PDF codes that we've got from Wayne Chang and Keith Baker to maybe give away for that. So, uh, yeah, it's a good cause. I figured, well, yeah, if I can help out, sure, absolutely. So that's yeah, going to be uh, happening. SOS Children's Villages Canada is the benefiting charity. You can see we've got a link in the show notes to this, but uh, that's where Kevin Madison's putting the cash. So it's basically it's it's raising money the um, for orphan and abandoned children benefit from the SOS Children's Villages International Services that they've got out there. So it's pretty cool. This is good stuff. This is one of those things we've talked about this in the past. You know, gamers, we do some really nice things for people. We really do. There's a lot of crap in the world right now, and or should say always is, so it's great to see really cool people like this pulling together some charity stuff to help people less fortunate. So that's awesome. And, Sean, that is really cool of you to get involved, man. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, come out, cheer us on. It's uh, going to be a six-hour game, so I think that's the plan. And a little fantasy game, and it'll be fun fun to play with. Uh, it'll be Steve as the player, Hobbs as the runner. So we'll see if Steve busts his chops. <laughs> see see all the sparks fly. <laughs> That's not how that rule works. Shut up, Grinziki. I mean, I can see that happening. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. So that'll be, um, yeah, and by the time this drops, it'll be like a week out. So yep, cool. Good times. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Anything else up there? No, but I think I'm going to kick off Mothership for Jeff this weekend. <laughs> but I might run Kingdom first. We'll see. I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I want to set the setting kind of to understand, to kind of get those guys through. But, it, I mean, we play from like 10 to 6 at night, so it's... Oh, you like do Kingdom to set up the setting for Mothership? Right. Oh. You know, I Which could I, see that. I could definitely see that being a cool thing to do. Oh, yes, yes, yes. If you do that, you'll have to tell us how Kingdom goes. I am very wanting to do it much. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't... No prep needed, but I gotta understand how it works. Like, okay, well, yeah. Last can... thing you want to fumble, fumble, flippity, flip, 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 flip. Yeah. Uh, oh shit! Go back to paragraph two, subject. I don't think it's that difficult, but yeah. I also last wanted thing you want to do make... is be fumbling around. I also wanted to make sense. Like, why are we doing this? And then what they do in that game, how it fits into kicking off the mothership campaign. So we'll see. Cool. Yeah. That... That'd be great to see how it goes. That is it. Cool, man. Let's random right. encounter it up. Let's get into random encounter. Random encounter, a segment of the show where we field email, emails, voicemails, comments from social media. I'll read just the quick first one. Want to wish everyone a happy Alive Day today. We may have done this in the past. So on Bill is a friend of the show, and Bill had shared with us an event uh, where him and some of his friends had uh, literally mi- got missed in a in a uh, military exercise, let's yes. say. And they honor being alive today on today, August 17th. Um, and so he just dropped us an email and said, Hey, happy alive day. You know, going to tip a pint for you guys, blah, blah, blah. And so I thought, well, we'll, f- we'll pass that along. Like, Oh, hell yeah. To Bill, everybody I, else. With the meds I'm on right now, I can't drink, but here's to you, brother. Awesome. So, yeah, I figured I, that I wanted to put context around that. Brett probably remembered, but I just wanted to make sure. So that's. I'm glad you brought up. I saw it. Happy. Oh, my God. A live day. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's That's not cool. something you'll find in a probably Hallmark card shop, but no, for Bill and the gang over there, it, it mean, it, there's a special place. And that, frankly, everybody else should be happy to be alive. Goddamn right. All right. Uh, the next one, Steve. You want to read that one, John Steve? John Steve comments on why PCs wander off. Well, although it can be disrupting, if the PCs wandering off is doing so in the spirit of the game, I mean, it fits the overall narrative of what the group is dealing with. I can work with that. If they're being a jerk because they've gotten bored with the current direction, not so much. Playing an RPG is a group effort. Everyone pitches in to add to the fun. Walking away with no real intent or an intent that is counter to the group's goals is a selfish act and should be treated accordingly. I like John. <laughs> I mentioned it last time. I um, only had to kick one dude out for continually doing this type of thing. But yeah, I don't. I'm cotton to that. That's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. You know, being basically being a dick, being a jerk at the table for the sake of being a jerk is you're, you are not grown up enough to voice your displeasure or say, I don't know why we're doing this. Can we change directions? I don't like this game. You know, basically being disruptive for the sake of it. You're just a dick. Stop that. But yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely buy what John is saying there. In the spirit of the game, if the idea is open sandbox, roam around, look for the lost temple, and you've got a big damn desert to sort through, hey, it's part of the thing to roam around and try to find clues and make shit up as you go. So that that's uh, I buy that. That's a that's very succinct. That's probably the entire episode from half hours with a talk right there. One paragraph. John, you win. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he, took, he took the entire episode, crunched it down to one paragraph. John our, needs to be our editor. He does. Then the show's like a five minute. Hey, goodbye. <laughs> I think in this, and I think most of the times when when these happen these uh occasions come about is it's it's usually the 80 20 rule right 80 yeah. percent of us are kind of like we're good there's the 20 percent or whatever maybe even less that are maybe not good they're they're <laughs> not in tune or not, not even self-aware sometimes yeah, yeah. or anyways. they're just playing their character well that's that's fair that's true which is the as matt cole would say which is the wang rod defense Right. <laughs> anyway, read Gabe's. All right. Gabe comes up, comments on RPG campaign talk. This is for Tom. So Tom wrote in about, uh, we did the whole episode on, yep, on campaign, campaign talk. campaigns, talking about it. Yep. Yep. So he goes into this for Tom on the forums. Perhaps a brief explanation of my emerging swords and wizardry campaign will be of some use to him. Uh, he says, first, I drew a map. I didn't construct anything. The most care I took was that there were at least a few crazy or evocative features, such as the thirsty maw and the purple obelisk. I decided the starting location would be in Barton, a totally random town name. I began to wonder what kind of a town it was. It thus became Bartown. I won't weary you with too much world building, but in short, it became a center for the arts with the bard as its primary deity. For the first session, the PCs were confronted with two overt adventure possibilities. It sounds like you have your beginning covered, but you'll see that the beginning pattern is used again later in campaign development, only in a larger scale. Most PCs are mostly all level four now. They got there by resurrecting the bard in time for an invasion of... Monogodites. Uh, I began to realize that my players and myself are sick of the sights in Barton, so the PCs need a reason to leave. Uh, these invading Monogodites might burn Barton to the water, 
uh, though the PCs hope to stop this, possibly making a change easier. I've begun to prepare whatever the next stage will be. Brett said to use PC backstories, and this is what I've begun. Most notably, Brother Stone, our monk, who wears a fragment of the purple obelisk around his neck, suddenly has become aware that the shard is glowing and emitting a high, soft whistle. He has decided to travel to the purple obelisk for answers. If I need other enticements for the PCs, I have two other bits of news ready for the two of them. Brother Sanguine, head of PC Johann's Druid Order, has started murdering the heads of other orders. There could be only one. <laughs> Johan is from the Red Hills. Roly, the PC Kender, will learn that a ruler in Kenderholm has embraced the Monogadite religion and is removing the fingers of thieves. A lot of this has emerged by instinct, but if I'm looking for a structure to this, here's what I see. Draw a map, make it big, but don't worry about detailing it. Some start small, provide two or three adventure seeds with small or medium-sized dungeons at the end of each or all of them. Uh, watch what the PCs do. Share the world map with the players. Allow them to choose locations as their homelands, if they wish, and ideally add features or qualities to them. These will be leveraged for personal PC quests and adventures later on. Try to be aware of when the players, PCs, or referee have outgrown a location. I recently found myself shortening and skipping parts of my latest dungeon. My players started talking about exploring the world. Then give the PCs two or three personal reasons to leave. That's that good sounds approach. like a good recipe, yeah. That is a very good approach, and that's one of those you can you can roll your own with that one. You can totally zip zap that sucker. Because, yeah, you've got... I then thought about the way he's laying this out with the bits of news, right? The things going on in the realms around you, the world, the planets, the whatever. The things my buddy uh, Nick does really well in the Star Wars games is whenever he gets the chance, you know, we get galactic news. We get people, oh, have you heard? Oh, this, oh, that. There's always some snippet of something going down. I used to do that a lot in my vampire games. You know, the vamps go to bed for the day, they get up, somebody goes to court, they start chucking the newspapers. You know, what happened during the day? What happened the last two nights or whatever it was? So that kind of a rumor mill and so forth is great because then you say something and the player's like, huh, boy, that sounds interesting. And they suddenly leap to the edge of their seat, so they start standing on the table saying, where is that on the map? Well, you got a pretty good idea where it is they want to go because <laughs> you're feeding them, constantly feeding them adventure plots and ideas. So, oh, I like that. Like I, I've used it. I did not think to bring it up, but it's a damn good idea. So thank you very much. That's very cool. It is Thanks, cool. Gabe. Thanks, Gabe, man. All right. What's next here? Beholder's Horde comments on RPG campaign talk as well. I've had players not give or develop backstories before. It's ju it just wasn't their thing. Some of these cases I gave them, people are places to care about. And because the players didn't worry about this stuff, they would most often grab on the hook and gobble up the bait. Stuff like that building that burned was the orphanage your best friend grew up in during your childhood years. Now all the kids are safe, but what will happen to them? Your strange sister is missing. All of you have, a, uh, all you have is an odd note. Um, often players that have trouble coming up with stuff just need somewhere to start. With just a little fuel, these players can often help develop great stories. I most often have my players give me three NPCs at session zero, family, friends, enemies, even frenemies, um, with just a short note on how they're connected with those people. The last campaign, two players used the term a dark stranger. Boom, some, same guy. Now the, P, now the two PCs are connected. Ooh, I like that. Not all players care about this stuff, just want to play. 
Some players never give me anything in writing, so I just take notes on small things they verbalize. Some players give me 10-page accounts of the PC's life up to the time the adventure begins. These players ask them to point out three important things for me to use. This is easier than me as a DM and trying to guess what events hold special meanings to the players. I then try and work those items in the campaign as appropriate, depending on who needs shine time and what the party is doing. Even if the game is past session zero, you can get some of these items from the players to work in. Even, um, excuse me, one other thing I like to do is have players make NPCs they don't know. Barkeep, shop owner, city watch. I usually ask for one or two of these. The players get a kick out of me using them. They can save me from coming up with random NPCs on the spot. Huh, I like that. There is something to be said with if you are watching the group and making note of things they say or what they're interested in. Sometimes it's it's the in-character stuff and the out-of-character stuff. Sometimes a player will say something like, boy, that would be kind of cool. I wonder if we'll ever get to go to the Crown Hills. Huh. That's interesting. For some reason, he wants to go there. Make note. You know, plant a seed, see if it goes anywhere. So that that's a that's another good piece. And uh, I think I think Beholder's Order is right. There are a number of players. Some players don't like being put on the spot because just creating names and things out of whole cloth can be very difficult. But if you say, hey, I need a bartender, somebody kind of, is he big, short, tall, skinny, fat, grumpy? What kind of bartender we got here? And throwing out options gets those creative juices flowing for some folks. That can be pretty helpful. That's a very good idea as well. Thank you. Good stuff. Sean, what's next? So the next one is from Anonymous. <gasps> I was just listening to the RPG campaign talk episode. I have a few minutes left, but I had to take a break and wanted to share some reactions. Excellent episode, by the way, as always. Anyhow, here's something that occurred to me. In my recent experience, GMs may need to be far more clear and forceful about campaign expectations. I'm a game master, so I've advised, I'm advising myself as well. Real example, I'm a player in a campaign that is just about to kick off. Um, one of the players said that he wanted to create a fringe character with definite comedic elements. The GM tried kindly to say, well, you could do that, but in this setting, you'd be rather out of place. And that did not slow <laughs> the player at all. Shocking. Sorry. <laughs> Hands up who's been there. They'll, okay. they'll adapt. <laughs> yeah, carry on. So we could have a human ranger, a half-elf fighter trying to hide his elven nature, a dwarf paladin, and a warforged bard who claims that he's part dragonborn and uses banjos excuse me, as weapons. And yeah, he wears a sombrero because he has dreams of our dimensions, two-bit taco joints. Clunk. That's, that's everybody falling off the disbelief ladder. Like, clunk. What the hell is that? Even before we rolled dice in play, the campaign's tone has changed to be more cartoony. One character can take the game from Twilight Zone to Futurama, both good shows, but with different moods. I realize this could happen in any game system, but I think 5e attracts it for some reason. It's okay if you think otherwise. And here's the rub. Even though the GM tried to set expectations, the player steamrolled. I can imagine Brett saying, Well, there'll be in-game consequences. And I certainly hope so. But one, as a player, I'm already now in a game I'm less thrilled about. And two, the same players who can be tone deaf to expectations are often tone deaf to the aforementioned consequences. 
you mu- you just don't like my character or why is the GM picking on me mm-hmm. are things I can imagine uh, those kinds of players saying in response. In short, if you can't read the room now, you may have trouble reading the room after your character dies. For me, the best option is to be bold about limits up front. Not, you can make whatever you like, but it will be tough on you. Instead, just, no, only humans. Or, sorry, those unearthed arcana options are too far out. There should be nothing wrong with saying, this is the kind of game we're playing. If the player doesn't like the setup, it's okay to skip the campaign or one-shot. If you don't want to play in goal, but you want to use your hands all the time, why are you on my soccer team? (laughs) I like that analogy. I like it. It's very fair. I do not believe that being careful at setup is removing creativity or player agency within the game. You can attempt anything, but that doesn't mean you can come to the table with whatever concept appeals. Maybe in some games, sure, but if the GM is hoping for a specific tone slash type of adventure and offers that to the players, I think they should comply. However, the GM may have to be very firm, more so than he or she may feel comfortable with. Is it a little dictatorial? (laughs) Dictatorial? Maybe, but if it is for a good reason, one that is well explained and agreed upon by the table, it's fine says me anyways be safe fellows thank you for all your efforts and creativity you rock or yacht rock whatever floats your boat <laughs> nice yacht rock baby i like i think you're i think he's dead right here he or she he or she i don't we don't know what's going on that's right dead. we don't know if it's male so female. i think they are dead on right is that <laughs> the in-game consequences that works only if that player will you know deal with it Right or be willing, blah blah blah, and everybody else is okay with that being the quote unquote punishment or reaction that occurs. Because quite frankly, if this other person who made the weird ass um, banjo wielding dragonborn wannabe <laughs> warforged, if that person is fucking up everybody else's fun, it doesn't matter what the game master does to correct the situation. Um, consequent the player up or whatever. It, we've talked about this before. I see absolutely no problem with setting limits and expectations at the beginning right if someone were to say hey we're gonna play low fantasy there are two versions of low fantasy at least we talked about on the show there's the the free version you can get your hands on then there's the larger more expanded version so on so forth if i were to say i'm gonna play the free version only all the other stuff is unavailable for this campaign you may say oh i really like the blah 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 but i'm gonna play this thing instead there's there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it used to be, and maybe 5e does this a lot insofar as, so let me, let me say, I think there's a piece of 5e that makes it common insofar as a lot of splat books, even though they're big, they're hefty, everything in it is canon. Everything in it is official. And you feel like in this world, it should all be there. And, um... I almost said TSR for a minute, but Watsy does a great job trying to make sure that the realms or whatever campaign world they have, you can fit all of that stuff into, at least for the most part. Um, but we were talking about this with uh, Papa Swick the other day, how when you're playing like the the TMAT adventure and you bring in like five Dragonborn, feels weird. <laughs> so I, I think that's where those are toolbox games, much like somebody playing Savage Worlds 
it's not well i've got savage worlds rippers and you've got savage worlds um eberron so i want to play this it doesn't fit you know because it doesn't fit the setting and i think for some reason D doesn't do that as much i know it used to i think back like in if you were in dark sun and whatnot you had the cannibal halflings and you had craziness in the desert and whatnot but it was uh Anyway, that's a totally different topic, but I think I think there is something to be said for when you have a lot of splat books or a lot of additions and extras and extras and extras, sometimes you got to draw a line. This is all we're using, core books, or core books and this one extra class, or this one thing. No Unearthed Arcana, only this piece. Makes sense. Be honest up front, tell everybody what it is, and sometimes you got to say no. And honestly, the easiest time to say no is at the beginning, instead of halfway in, when the guy says, oh... I really wanted to be a super, you know, comedic half Kender, half Warforge. No, no, you're not being half Kender, half Warforge. It's not happening, man. You know, say no up front to that stuff. And not, well, I don't want to upset your feelings, blah, blah, blah. Eh, it doesn't do you much good to dance around that stuff. Just say no. Cool. Good stuff, though. Thank you very much for writing in. Yeah, thanks, whoever you are. Absolutely. Sean, your turn. All right. Uh, So... Been a long, it's from Graham. So, been a long, quiet time. And blah, blah, blah. I don't want to read the first part, but um, I made a recent return and caught the discussion of Red Market's 2, 2D20 and MYZ, Mutineer Zero, on episode 297. BSers are smarter than BS. Um, all three of these games are pretty remarkable. I've run a bunch of 2D20 games from Conan to John Carter to Mar- of Mars. To the Dune playtest, I recommend it highly. The real reason for my note, besides saying, hey, I missed y'all, is to say Apocalypse World offers some great tools for building campaigns off of what is happening. I highly recommend giving uh, Apocalypse World 2nd Edition a read just for the Master of Ceremonies guidance on threats, fronts, and clocks. Good to hear your voices again, Graham. P.S. You wrote another email. Ah, shit. I suppose you two and most of the BSers are smart enough to pick up on this without me saying it outright. The ideas from Apocalypse World are easily portable to any other system. Be well. I have heard that about Apocalypse. I have not read Apocalypse World 2nd Edition. I have a copy. I got a in a bundle or something. I've got a PDF of it. I need to go back. Because those the threats, fronts, and clocks. I've heard that has been that's really good. It's really good stuff. On the 2D20 front before, I'm glad you brought this up, Graham. My buddy Nick picked up um, Modifus's 2D20 Conan, because both he and I are Conan fans. And he got a hold of it. Oh, this is really fun. He's been running it with a subgroup of my home crew. So I'm hoping next time we get together in person, I'll have a chance to play a one-shot or something with him. He said he's really, really like He likes the Doom mechanic and all the different pieces and parts with it. So (sighs) I may have to go get me one of those. Son of a bitch. But anyway... (laughs) Thanks, Graham. Thanks for supporting yes, thanks, the show, man. buddy. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Mike Yates follows up on the person that only likes pre-published adventures. Yeah. So Mike wrote in on the last one and said, hey, I got a guy that doesn't like pre-published adventures. No, and, we, okay. and, we, and we all went, the hell? And we asked Mike, can you can you elaborate or find out why we were interested? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and Mike, before I read this, I hope that we did not mean to offend. I was just shocked. I, yeah, I don't so, think we said anything okay. offensive. I, I hope not. I, just I mean, because if Sean you know. said, hey, if, he, those, if it's his buddy Tim, hey, Tim, look, these guys think you're a prick. That's not what we meant. <laughs> That's not what we meant. I swear. Oh. Anyway, Mike H <laughs> comes back at us. 
It says, hey, Sean and Brett, thank you for the comments on the show. I asked the game group to listen to your comments, especially Tom, the one in question. I guess I was wrong about him. Yes, he does prefer the pre-published adventures, but he would play a homebrew if it has the right hook. I guess the last time he played in 2000, he played in a homebrew game, and the GM was unprepared, and the game was a disaster, and that is his reasoning. It makes sense to me. It ruined his gaming experience. I do appreciate all the recommendations on the pre-published adventures. Carry on, Mike. Mike, yeah, that see? Absolutely. I totally buy that. That's Hashtag I, I, Sean nailed it. I mentioned that. I'm like, yeah. I bet you he could have started out in the hobby. Some guy or woman ran a homebrew, yep. and it was shit, and he was like, no, never again. There is a pre-published something... The game master has something to fall back on, right? If they don't know, they can say, "Well, it's not in the adventure." There's a, 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 an answer, so to say, within here, right? I'm in the dead marshes. What's here? Click. It's in this book. If it ain't in this book, it ain't there. You know, type of thing. So, that totally makes sense. I could see that, and I have, quite frankly, some of my worst gaming experiences have been homebrew adventure games. Well, I think it's easier to mess up. Well, I mean, not necessarily. That that's not that's that's a generalization. I, I, but I, I don't know why per se. But I think it's I think it comes down to how do I do this? The people doing it. I don't. If I look back at it critically, the game masters that I played with that I did not like, did not enjoy. I don't think they would be any good running any adventure if they ran it the same way they ran for me. So it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> I don't think it, it was their homebrew world. Right. Which they were masters of and blah, 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 blah. And it was, uh, it's just this horrible, terrible thing. Sure. Um, and the way they ran had more to do with it, I think, than the fact that it was their homebrew world. I've had homebrew worlds where, you know, things were weird, druids were gods, and, you know, all manner of different pastiches on fantasy novels and things. And I've enjoyed a number of them, although some I thought were weird. A buddy of mine built one off the Lensman series, which I never read barely grasped the concepts of and uh but it was the way he ran it had nothing to do with the storyline or the world it was the fact that he's just terrible <laughs> and and uh there is a john cleese was watching something about him i'm going to take a total aside here for a second before we get the topic and um mr robert nemeth may back me up on this i can't recall the name of a psychiatrist or uh psych Psychology prof or whoever, whoever it is. But anyway, John Cleese has a friend and uh, at Princeton or something, and he has said this many times that the amount of skill it takes to know if you are good at something is exactly the right amount of skill to be good at the thing. So people who are just piss poor at something lack the skill to know that they're terrible at something. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, kind of harsh. Now that doesn't mean you can't get better, right? You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna we're all we've talked about this. Practice makes perfect. You gotta keep going and keep trying. There's no I mean, we've all done something at some point we're running and we're not so good at it. But uh I just I remember those games in these homebrew worlds and um, that were terrible. And uh again the worst ones I've ever had worst game experiences I've ever had, but they were the game masters were also people who believed they were absolute masters of their craft mm. and that everyone should learn from them because they were so goddamn good. Accept no feedback. They were on the mountain. Thankfully, we were able to come to the pinnacle of said mountain. It was, it was not enjoyable. <laughs> but don't. Don't, Tom, in this case, Tom, man, don't let that turn you off for homebrew campaigns. Good hook, right, game master? 
you'll have fun. And it sounds to me like he could he could be open to homebrew now. Like totally, he's being in the, been in the hobby a little little while, and he's probably realized like that's not the standard. Yeah, for homebrew, well, right? It's also like <laughs> you said that thing, Tom. Why? Oh, it's because of this experience. That's the thing. Explain that's, that to me, and I can gotta know why. Yeah, I can once I know why. And sometimes you're like, you know, I just don't know why. I don't like the, and then talk it out, figure out. We've talked about that before too. Understanding what you like, why you don't like something in gaming, helps you a lot. It really does. Also, no, no, Labert's in the chat, man. He's uh, he says he's not sure which pro, uh, professor you're referring to, but he says the the it's referred to as metacognition. That's it, which I is see. your knowledge and assessment of your cognition. So. Probably, a.k.a. being self-aware, right? Yes. Sure, yeah. John Cleese has some really cool um, bits on being creative on huh. YouTube and stuff if you find him. He's he's a blast. He's funny as hell. Anyway, any more? We good? No, I think we're good with Random Encounter. Thanks, everybody, for commenting in the forums, writing in, emails, things yes. of that nature, submitting stuff. information online at, at gamingnbs.com. Let's get into the main topic. All right. So Brett ha- Brett's been on fire. He's like got three, four topics. He's excuse me, ahead of the game. I got five main bullet points. I got sub <laughs> sub bullet points. Got, I got details on thieving. Yeah, he's got a pretty good outline. I'm surprised. Some somebody must have called Brett and's like, man, you Brett can't get outside. Brett can't shoot his bow. <laughs> he can't do anything. He can sit at his computer and type. That's all he can do. So Sean's going to mess that all up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I got on the show. He's like, hey, I'm going to call Audible. I'm like, are you kidding me? So what are you doing we to gonna, me? We are going to talk about thieves and mm. thieving. and Like Sean stealing this episode. I, I, uh, perfect example. Still on topic. Still on topic. And then Wizards of the Coast came out with a survey, and I started going through the survey questions. And I, I thought, these are pretty decent questions. And if you haven't taken the survey, by all means, check it out if you're a D&D fan or even if you're a fantasy role-playing game gamer. You it is a some... long survey. I will It is you. a long survey, yeah. I got wind of it through Twitter because Jared, I saw a quick post, D&D something. I don't know, a survey, but And Jared Rasher, friend, follower, supporter of the show, good, good all-around dude, a reviewer extraordinaire, said, hey, I took that. Holy crap, that's long. I'm paraphrasing his tweet. I'm like, really? Yeah. How bad is bad? I'll say, I've got time. My wife said a PTA meeting or excuse me, school board meeting. I'll see what's going on. <laughs> Took most of the school board meeting to answer through it. It was they're pretty hefty, pretty hefty survey. But I thought they were good questions into understanding like your your gaming preferences. And yes, you and what we're then I thought, well, like right before the going live, we thought we should have bingo cards or somebody fill out the complete survey based on Brett. <laughs> and whoever whoever gets the most answers right would get a prize. Well, that that's yeah, it's going to take what 30 minutes to get through the survey when, and you might want to take it and fill it out and keep track of Brett's and we're just like, "Nah." And we're not that organized. Right. So. No. So I thought, but it would be interesting to to get Brett's take and I'm certainly willing to chime in as well. We'll get to. through it. We'll get through some of it. And some of these may be like, "Oh, of course, done. That's a no-brainer." But I, th- I figured, why not? This is pretty low hanging fruit for. Well, we finding about, out how people like to game and what well, their we've preferences talked about are. this in the past too, where we've people have said that they've given out surveys of their own kind to their groups, 
We've talked about what questions do you ask yourself? And sometimes it's very hard to codify that stuff to sit down and write it and say, I'm going to write these things that uh, illuminate how I do something. So like any good um, artist will steal the shit out of somebody else's work and uh, tell you to go look at it. Right. It's so could thanks well... wizards. Nah, it's all good stuff, man. <laughs> Hell, been... It's not like I built Avalon before, you know, I mean, played, played D and D for all these years, made my own world. Guess what causes the inspiration, right? There you be. So. All so right. you're welcome to participate along and, and chime in the chat. If you're online watching us live, that's great. Um, and if you think you want to, predict brett's answers ahead of time you <laughs> know by, by all means we'll, we'll, we'll but i figured it would be a decent exercise it's, you know it's pretty just decent don't start content. at the beginning where it says how many years have you been playing dungeons and dragons so i've got for those of you that aren't watching video that's fine we'll read them out loud obviously but here on twitch i've got the question up it's right in the middle of all of us everybody can all read right. it and see it in front of us brett doesn't even know what it looks like i don't, I don't have but i figured so. This will this will probably go off, uh, I think, fairly well. So, the first question. Let's get started. So let's. I mean, if you take it or read the questions and you gather that they're going. I mean, it's obvious that they're poking around to find out what they want to do, either for new supplements or a new edition of the game. <gasps> Gasp! We don't want to talk new edition. Right I mean, now. Been, that, no, that, that'll, get not, me, that'll get me off on a different tangent. That's we don't not need in that. the cards. I'm we, sure we that has nothing no, to do with this. I'm just saying that nobody wants to hear us bitch about that yet. No, no. So we'll, we'll complain right. about that a different show. So we'll, skip, show, we'll skip through these. Some of these. Uh, so let's shape future D and D products by taking the survey. We want to hear about the reasons you play, the reasons you DM. And the types of tools that could help you in your play. So some of this is going to be like, well, what tools do you use? And Brett could go, well, this is what I use. And we could mm -hmm. have mentioned that 50 episodes, 100 episodes ago, but Brett could be using new tools now. So we'll Fair see. Fair enough. We'll see. Right. What do we got? So the first one, let's get started. Have you ever played D&D uh, tabletop role-playing game? <laughs> hmm. Yes. All right, fine. Whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Well, here's an interesting one. What, what year did you start playing, Brett? I was in third grade. So what is that? You want to date yourself? Well, I'm 47 now. All right. So you're in. Th what are you, third grade? You start school at five, maybe eight, you're eight or nine. You, eight or nine. So Something there. like that. Back then. All right. Fair <laughs> That's a long time ago. Oh, which, third grade. which editions have you played? So there's uh, Redbox, there's AD&D, second edition, 3540. The only five. edition I have never played is the original white slash brown box. I have never played that. I've okay. played everything else. Okay. Uh, gaming frequency. So when was the last time you played each of these editions? Ah, that was an interesting question because, you know, you, we, I have a love for it, blah, 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 but I haven't played some of them in a very long time. The only ones that I've played real recently, if you count Pathfinders 3 or 3.5, that was two weeks ago because I played that every other week. And D&D <laughs> 5e um, was last week. This is every other week. All right. I have not had the opportunity to run like a first ed, second ed, uh, and forever or BX red box or anything like that in a long time. Can I? Yes. Just, I don't have the opportunity. Yeah. Timing. Gaming frequency. When was the last time? Okay. So this is, this is going one by one. So if you select each edition, it asks you, how long when, ago did you when, play when? this? Which how is why the survey takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. Gaming frequency. When's the last time? All right. Um, that's, how on uh, this one, same one. Imagine any and all barriers to playing D&D were removed for you, Brett. Oh, for neat. example, say you have all the time you need, you have an available group. Yeah. Right? They got to preface all this because it's like, well, I don't know. 
didn't really specify. Yeah, uh, yeah. If if you could play D and D as often as you want, how often would you play? Hmm. Options are more than once a week, about once a week, at least once a month, at least once every three months, and, at, and then less than once every three months. See, I want to say more than once a week. I want to say that, but I think schedule-wise, blah, blah, blah. Again, all barriers removed. Yeah, more than once a week. I, I mean, I, I would say twice, right? You wouldn't get burned out? No, because playing is not just DMing and stuff, too. There'd be stuff happening. You know, I'd be playing in a game. I'd be running a game. For a while there, when, um, I was running my Avalon game, and Elf was running his... Uh, uh, we were running Undermountain, same week, Tuesday and Thursday, every week. The guys burned out on that before I did. <laughs> I'm like, hey, we're twice a week. I'm in. I'm good. This is good. And other people are like, oh, that's a lot of gaming in one week. I'm like, yeah, pansies. It's nothing. Bring it on. Yeah. So I think I think once a week wouldn't be bad. Twice a week is better. All right. Uh, D&D campaign settings. Which campaign settings do you prefer? So it lists Birthright, Dark Sun, Dragonlance, Eberron, Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, Homebrew is an option. Mm-hmm. Planescape, Ravenloft, Spelljammer, Other, or you don't have a preference. I like Greyhawk. I like Realms and uh, my Homebrew stuff. Okay. I do, uh, from the realm's perspective, I am still, I like old school first edition realms. That that setting is one of my favorite places to play first edition. But Okay. Anyway, that's a preference. Uh, favorite setting, let's see, you mentioned, all right, why is it your favorite setting? Why are those? Well, the homebrew one, I built it, right? Spent a lot of time and effort and energy into it. That's why that's my favorite. Um, the Front Realms is um, a lot of nostalgia, friends of mine. Same with Greyhawk. Had so much fun doing that for years. Those are the two worlds we adventured in all through high school and most, and even through college. That was, you know, I started building my own stuff, but the main campaigns we were in, especially that I was playing, honestly, I played in those worlds more than I ever GM'd in them. I think that might be. Well, the reason why I like jamming in them because I'm I, I get to relive some of my playing through that too. No, that's those two those those two worlds from nostalgia and the uh, my homebrew stuff is because I I made it. So some of the things that are popping up are some of the, like I went and answered a few questions and mm-hmm. then I took screenshots. So the reason Eberron is up and on the screen is because I chose Eberron and why it's because I like the high action pulp style with still maintaining a sense of fantasy so i should say the homebrew the reason i made it is the reason i like it is because it has all the stuff in it that i like you sure know, the stuff that's in it is the shit that brett likes to to deal with in his gaming so that's that's why i like it so much makes sense to me mm-hmm. all right uh motivations for playing D. how important are the following to you when you play D, brett um, is control freak near the top is that yeah right max <laughs> maximize so this is you know, most extremely important yeah, yeah. Got to it, got not it. important at all, okay? Um, and then everything in between. So there's five levels, right? Got it. So, uh, maximizing combat pref- uh, performance by carefully optimizing attributes and gear. I don't care. You don't care? Not really. That's low. That's right. low. I'm going to go low. low high, low high, low high, medium, low just high. make it faster. All right. all right. So there's like middle, yeah, yeah. okay, very low. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next one, 
Same thing, motivations. Uh, creating characters with detailed personalities, quirks, and motives. That's higher. I like doing that. That's fun. Okay. I might I pick slightly important for some reason. Some of these I don't think I answered right. You probably failed, yeah. Well, I think I started and I went back and I started getting screenshots and selected different ones. <laughs> Next one, bonding over a shared experience with my play group. That's high. That's big. A kumbaya moment. Yeah, no, that when my friends and I get together, I go to a gaming convention, sit at the bar, sit wherever. Somebody comes up and says, let me tell you about my character. Well, let me tell you about the campaign. Oh my God, this is so cool. Listen to our listener feedback. We are bonding over shared experiences. It's incredibly important to Fair me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Next one, overcoming challenges with careful decision-making. Yeah, it's pretty important. I'll go medium, medium, high. All right. Uh, how important are the following to you uh, when you play d d Creating my own adventures slash campaigns. Hi. Yeah, I like to do that. Yeah, mine was really low. Pre-published guy, right? No, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if the game for some reason hindered that in some way, that would be a thing that drove me away from that game. Hmm. Of like, oh, this only only works, quote unquote, because you can make anything happen, right? But if the if the main thrust of it was pre-published stuff, it was such a workload to make my own, I would steer away from the game. Uh, using miniatures in D&D gameplay. Not that high. Low, medium, uh, low. Yeah, mine same. Being a powerful hero that defeats villains and monsters. Nah. No? It's, it's fun. It's like medium at, at, at most. Okay. I don't mind being the you know, low-level thief guy. That doesn't bother me. Doesn't have to be epic. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be that big. Don't have to be a hero. Nope. Better to be an anti-hero. Can be. This can be fun sometimes. All right. Characters, monsters, characters slash monsters are beautifully illustrated in the books. I think when I answered this, I said medium because it's important. I was actually going over this last weekend, some old... Uh, Monster manuals, first edition stuff, Whoa. just looking for critters and stuff. And some of the art back then, I'm like, wow, this wow. is quote unquote terrible. <laughs> but then some I, of that is awful. I know, but I look, I think back and I'm like, it still was evocative as hell when I saw it. Oh, sure. I show the monsters to my kids, like, oh, that's what a kobold looked like back then. Neat. They just, right. you know, they see it as a different representation. And Ilana's like, well, that doesn't, that perspective's all off because my little daughter yeah. loves to draw and stuff. She goes, Wow, that person, I'm like, you got to remember, this is the best person <laughs> in the office who knew how to draw. If you weren't Trampier or, you know, somebody, you know, if you weren't, you know, Jeff D, you weren't in there. But anyway, it's, I think the beautiful, gorgeous, full color stuff could be really great, but I'm still, I love my Avalon art that Moro put together. It's not lavish, full color. It's very evocative. It's very well done. And it's black and white. You know, look at the stuff that Robert had in his, um, and his little zine adventure. It's Hidden good Acropolis, stuff. Yeah. It's the Necropolis. It's good art. It's not crazy lavish over the top. So that's why I'm kind of medium, medium high. It's just sure. good good quality art. Doesn't have to be crazy. All right. Leading the group during gameplay. My personality says yes. Hi. 
<laughs> what I've learned to do, we've talked about this a little bit. What I've learned to do is like leading the group takes multiple multiple forms. It's like you don't have to be the spokesperson in PC, but sometimes we're like, okay, guys, what do you want to do? Hey, let's let's do this together. And sometimes it's just rallying the the crew and making sure, helping to make sure everybody at the table has a chance to talk. Even you know, when yeah. you're the player and you're sitting there, and that one person doesn't have a chance to speak because somebody else over there is, you can be like, hang on, hang on, Bev, just give, you know, get Todd a chance to talk. <laughs> oh, sorry, you know, and then let, let it let it go. So sometimes that kind of, uh, like I said, not not upfront player character leader, but just kind of helping keep things organized. I like doing that. Volunteering at Gen Con and similar community events. It's not a big deal for me. No? No. I mean, did it enough <laughs> with, with uh, Evercon, helping run it, organize it for three, four years. I mean, but I think it's, I think it's medium, honestly. I want to, you know, now I'm talking myself out of it. I mean, we do stuff. Volunteering to me is, I, I, I think of volunteering as like, hey, I'm going to go to Gen Con and be a table runner. I'm going to go to Gamehole Con and... Right. And do set up and breakdown. I don't think of it that way. I think of, well, quite frankly, I pay my I pay to get in to the con. I never run enough games to get my badge for free because that's not my shtick. I'm there to, I, I'm there to game and have fun with my friends and so forth. So I don't I don't really volunteer per se. I'm willing to help out. You know, sure. I've been there before when Alex is like, "Hey, can you help us do table runners? Sure, man, I'm bored. What the hell, do it." But right. no, it's not a driving force. All right. Uh, let's see. Creating elaborate backstories for my characters. Nah. Not important. Not. I mean, it's low, medium, low. Okay. I do a lot more stuff where I have bits and pieces than I develop during play. Fair enough. More fun for me. Uh, the rule books and guides feature amazing artwork. Kind of commented on this already. Yeah, much the same. Good, solid artwork is fine by me. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Volunteering to help run D&D meetups and similar local store events. That's not my thing. Yeah. Brett's not a big AL. I want to get into AL and run events at the local store consistently no. kind of guy. Neither. If I, had, if I actually had a local store where I could go and say, hey, I'll run a, I'll run a game or run a Call of Cthulhu, we'll do something. Sure. That'd be fun, like pickup game. But that's kind of what I see more as the BSers thing is like, hey, that that's more fun for me. All righty. Uh, helping others learn how to play D&D. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting my MRI last, I don't think I mentioned this. So I get my MRI last week and Thursday. And the guy doing my MRI, he sees my D20 tattoo on my, on my right leg. He goes, oh, you're a gamer, huh? I said, yep. He said, oh, boy, I used to play blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, really? Do you still play? No, nah, but my son was looking to. But then, oh, boy, you know me. I surprised him. I made him, I gave him a big stack of books. I said, you got to read all that before we can play. And I'm like, oh, my God, you did it wrong. Jesus, you yeah, did this wrong. Don't have to read all that. So crap. I go through the MRI, which is not a fun experience. It's getting shoved in a small tube. So go through that, come back out. Before I leave, I'm like, I will not sleep tonight if I don't do this. I turn around and say, you know. <laughs> The two box sets, the two starter sets are really good ways to go. And I give them like, go here, check this, check that. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that might be a good idea. So, yeah, that's important. I got kids I learn how to, I, I got kids I teach. <laughs> you know, that's important to me. Yeah. That's important. Uh, let's see. 
taking charge of the team and deciding how to proceed. Medium. <laughs> okay. It is. Okay. I don't know. You look like you disbelieve me. I just think that you're a take charge kind of guy. Brett, I can sometimes. be. Well, I don't yeah. have any. I mean, part of it is like sometimes I like to make the character that's not. So I'm an IT director for a living. I got to make decisions all fucking day. Right. What do you guys want to do? I don't care. You want to light on fire? I'll light on fire. What do you want to do now? It's just, it's sometimes much more fun to be the follower character. But I prefer to take the leadership, like, okay, are we doing this together or, you know, getting cons- helping the group find a consensus? Sure. More than forcing them to do something. All right. Uh, being part of a fun group activity. Oh, yeah. That's huge. Oh, kind of big but deal. It's not right? fun. What the hell am I there for? Identifying creative ways to solve challenges and obstacles. That's huge. No. If the if the game system doesn't allow that type of creativity, if it's got a board game feel, to use that analogy, like, look, you have to roll sixes or nothing, or you've got to have the right card, or the right number of chips and pips or whatever on your character sheet, I, it, this doesn't do it for me. I want that open-ended. I know the rules don't allow this, but I love those those pieces. That's got That's got to be there. Accumulating powerful weapons, spells, and artifacts. God, that's fun. That's medium high. Medium high. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's my one of the things I don't like. We've talked about this in the past. One of the things that 5e disappoints me with is I like the gear from 1st and 2nd edition. Plus one swords, plus two swords. Finding cool treasure. That's fun. Uh, gear is fun. Okay. All right. Creating a homebrew world slash campaign setting. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Huge, man. No brainer for Brett. Uh, Researching rule books online uh, slash online, rule books or online, to optimize class slash skill combinations. That's not big for me. I know that's huge for some folks. I remember when when Pathfinder put out like the, what was it, a, a player build guide book? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was an actual hardcover book you could buy to tell you how to min-max. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, it was max. Like, yeah, I can't remember what it, the, the, the the name of the book was. But you can find, there's there are things out there right now, you go to YouTube, whatever, what's a good sorcerer build? What's a good this build? And people making very specific builds for D&D or any game system out there. It just doesn't, that doesn't do much for me. Yeah. Not that important. Nope. Is, that big, is that big for you, Sean? No, no. I, I mean... It depends on the game. Like Pathfinder, I felt that I wanted to do it. I think I felt I had to do it. Felt obligated? Yeah, but I didn't want to. But I thought if I didn't, I mean. If everybody else is dealing <laughs> I, out two, 150, 220 points of damage, you go, eh, I, re- <laughs> I remember Doc saying, like, I played a character class and I didn't pick, like, I mean, I was like a fighter and I didn't pick power attack or something. Like, it was fighter 101 you always yeah. pick you know and i did power attack for, which leads to cleave which leads to greater cleave. yeah right and i didn't and he's like it wasn't i don't know if that was the exact example well, but it matter. was but look, it was like he, a spell or something it looked I didn't askance pick. at you yeah. like what kind of a noob exactly like what oh, and, you know and i said well man i, I don't want to be the same like, why don't you just play pre-gens and they're always the same and they're static and we just pick from a pile and each, they're all yeah, optimized. Yeah, every time I level up, we'll take the next optimal level one, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. 
like a card game or something. Anyways. Yeah, that that doesn't interest me too much. No, not no. I now that said, both Sean and I know plenty of people that totally dig that shit. Yeah, and that's absolutely fine. Now we are talking about our preferences. Yep. Doesn't there's nothing wrong with it by any means. Yeah. Just our our jam. Um Ow. Hurt myself this weekend, so I'm a little tender. Anyways. Resolving obstacles and encounters with sound tactics and strategy. Medium. Yeah, I would say the same. There's something. There's something fun about that. You know, even if it's theater of the mind and you've got a good idea, and hey, we'll do an arrow volley, and then that'll give the thief time to sneak through the shadows, and then even if that plan is a quote unquote nebulous theater of the mind plan, it's still a tactic, a plan that you've got that's pretty cool, and you you visualize it in your head, and not just walk up. Well, I hit the next goblin. Hit the next one. I make it the ogre yet? Okay, hit the next one. Get the ogre type of thing, you know. That's more fun. That's like planning a good heist. Whether you're using the system, the, mecha- the mechanics to help you build the heist, or you do it old school where you literally talk it out and sit there and plan for hours, or however you do it, being creative about that stuff is a lot of fun, and using really cool tactics. is That can be cool. Good time. Creating guides slash podcasts. To help players get started with the I just, I'm just It's a fad. I don't think it's going to take off. I mean, if I Who did it. Who would want to do that dumb shit? If I did it, I'd have to, <laughs> I, I would have to sign up for about five to six years. Right. I mean, to really see if it's. <laughs> <laughs> Got to try it out for five years. Yeah, and if it, I don't you know, like it, I'll take it back. Yeah. All right, see where it goes. On. Yeah. See what happens. So ranked pretty low then. Pretty low. Pretty low. All right. Fair enough. Not interested. Introducing new players to D&D. I think it's big. I, I like. We've talked about this before. What game would you introduce people to? I still go to D&D because I love Dungeons and Dragons. I've always had such a good time with it. And it's very popular. And I know some people are like, yeah, but if you, for me, if it's very popular and this new person doesn't have a lot of people to play with or whatever, sometimes, anyway, I think, I think they're, the pool they're drawing from for gameplay is pretty cool. What I don't like to do is only introduce that person to that game and not also tell them all the other cool things that are out there, like after the game. Did you have a good time with that? Yeah. Do you like horror movies? Yeah. Boy, there's this game called Call of Cthulhu. Oh my God, it'll blow your mind. You know, did you, what part of this game did you like? Well, I really liked the part where we talked a lot. The fighting was okay. I got a game for you. This game, even more so, right? Helping people find what they like through the lens of D&D. What part of this adventure did you really enjoy? What part of this thing... Um, I think it's a good, uh, not a high watermark, but it's a good benchmark. That's a better phrase hmm. to bounce people off of. He's has been for me in the years. Making sure my characters are as powerful as possible. Just as long as they're more powerful than Sean's. That's, there you go. That's, That's a great answer, Brett. That's all I need. It's just got to be one step <laughs> just above. One step. I don't need to be faster than the bear. It's got to be faster than Sean. Sean's guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chatting and interacting with a group of people. That's huge. Yeah. So these kind of overlap. I'm getting they a do. Theme, they do theme here. Being fully immersed in the role and mindset of my characters. I think that's medium. Kind of in the middle range because I like to, I like to break off, have the asides. Say, oh my god, that reminds me of this movie. You know, some of that natural conversation that happens at the table, and I don't mind a little bit of metagamey type of stuff from time to time. Having a large collection of miniatures and or dungeon terrain. Nah. Big terrain guy? Nah. I, mean, I know people be like, oh, yeah. 
Oh. Oh, Dwarven Forge, man. Bones. Reaper Bones Kickstarter. Well, you go. I mean, if I... <laughs> Part of it for me, honestly, is if I if I'm gaming with my home group and up in my hometown, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna play D and D," I'm like, "I don't have to worry about minis." Sure. I go to Alpha's place. He literally has thousands. Well, and those some of those guys are Warhammer guys. So <laughs> they're they Warhammer guys. They collect stuff. stuff. They buy yeah. them in bulk. I got. Really wish I had a Wizard's Tower clunk and a castle clunk. Boy, we could use a drawbridge clunk. <laughs> what What else do you need? I really need a big demon whap. I mean, I got it all. Yeah, it's not mine, so I don't have to collect it. I have a shit ton of D&D miniatures. I can't tell you the last time I used any of them. It's been a long time. I Using minis is fun. I'm not going to ever say it's not. It is fun. I have a good time with it. However. They are a pain in the ass to manage They can be sometimes. a pain in the ass to manage sometimes. <laughs> they gotta, all they right, can I be. These, and if you're really anal retentive like I am, you got to have the right one for the right encounter, right? These are Zorns. I want a Zorn. Right. Like, what? <laughs> They're the same. No, it's not. As what the Ellen's got other nodules. Whatever. Right. Moving on. <laughs> Helping players figure out how to dungeon master for their first time or become a better dungeon master. Yes, that's big. Yeah. All right. Uh, creating my own custom classes, races, NPCs, monsters, spells, and artifacts. Yes, big. I like doing that stuff. I would I would stay away from some of the rulesy stuff more. The custom NPCs, artifacts, magic items, spells, that stuff is fun, is uh, more entertaining for me. I don't like sitting down and necessarily crunching through classes as much. So granted, as I talked, you know, mucking with system stuff and whatever, there's some of that involved. But what's more fun is saying, hey, I want an NPC that breaks the rules or you know, a different magical item or something along those lines. That's a lot more entertaining for me. That shit I can do on the fly. I like that. This is all creative stuff, right? Like, yeah. Do you like to create a bunch of stuff? Are you a yeah. creator? Do you like, like to build stuff? Yeah. No, Sean, do you, I mean, just because you use pre-published adventures doesn't mean you're not creative, right? Because you've got to display it. You got to talk about it. You got to explain how it works. You have to understand it. Do you, do you like building that type of stuff too at all? Or does that not float your I'm boat? I'm not a big, f- like one thing that really, kind of makes me dread is okay i gotta make an npc or i gotta make a big bad so i gotta stat that thing out and it's you know that is a to me i don't want to stat shit out i don't want to create a monster and go through a build now i know in some games you can willy-nilly that stuff right stat blocks really short got this amount of hit points this armor class for who got god knows what reasons doesn't have to put the armor on it to have a minus 10 armor class or a 20 armor class whatever it is I don't want to. That was one thing that drove me nuts about three o three five. Some of those other ones, even five e to some degree. I mean, that's why the monster manual comes into play. Just give me that, rip it out, put it down. I'm good. Like I don't want. I build a lot of stuff on the fly from the monster manuals, right? Sure. You flop that sucker down. You open up and say, "I want a Jabberwocky." Right. Boom! It's right there. Yeah. And you look at it, go, "Wow." That monster sounded so cool. I told the characters what it looked like, and I laid it out there. I went, oh, my God, that armor class is too high. All right. Drop sure. the armor class. Do this. Change the hit points. Change this. Too much damage and lose the Vorpal Bite. Done. And becomes my own critter. And I would probably do that on the fly. Yeah, that's, that's, easy. that's easy to do. But building like a... I say I want to start from scratch and craft up this big critter or whatever it can be can be pretty challenging. I tell you, man, and some of, that was one of the fun parts about getting um, the rogues gallery from first edition D&D. It was a little uh, handout. 
It was basically pre-gened multi-levels of characters. Pathfinder did that. They had an NPC book. I picked that up because when I was running Pathfinder a lot, I got sick of trying to build NPCs that made sense, that were effective, because it was a very tactical game. Lots of minis and whatever. So I pull that out and say, I need a third level cleric. Wham! Oh, thank God I've got one. Had all the right feats. Very optimized, right? The the proper build so that it was effective and it made sense. Because my on the fly, I think this is the right feat. I always fucked up. It was too it was too much detail, and I never did it right. And by that, I mean it was never a challenge. The players always ate my stuff until I did that, and then <laughs> slowed them down at scotch. What's next? Finding the perfect miniature to represent my character. Nah. Oh God, Jeff does that. Does he? He ordered the big. He ordered the big ones. I don't even know what size they are. They got to be like, <laughs> like six inch minis. <laughs> like they're pretty big. It's a GI Joe figure. <laughs> he gets it all custom painted. He sends me pictures. Look at her. Oh, that's awesome. That looks great, Jeff. Fantastic. Now I gotta redo the shield again. But so the other thing I'm very, I'm very fortunate about. If I come up, if I come <laughs> to the table with a mini that isn't quite right, by the next time we get down there, Lenny or somebody's like, "Here, you dumb shit." <laughs> oh, yeah, it looks just like him. Thanks, man. <laughs> so I got guys for that. I outsource right. that shit. <laughs> if I show up to the table with a crap mini, the lads that's, are like, no, that's just stupid. Here, use this instead. That's leveraging the strengths at the table. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Qualities of a good dungeon master. Ooh. Ooh. In your opinion, how important or unimportant important are each of the following traits? In a good dungeon master. Okay. All right. So good dungeon master. What makes him that good? What's important priority wise? Got it. Can make judgment calls or house rules that apply in all situations. Yeah, that's good. Need that. Very important. Reliable. Can be trusted to be prepared and available to run games when they say they will. Oh, yeah. Your word is your bond, people. Yes. Very important. Quick-witted. Keeps the action moving quickly, rarely needing to pause things for an extended period of time to adjust the story or resolve an action. Well, I'm not sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. These are all very ranked high. Yeah, these are. I mean, this is, this is stuff, you know, if you're looking for, I want to move smooth fast, yes. I like that yeah. stuff. Competitive. Builds challenging adventures or scenarios that test the player's knowledge of the rules and require strong teamwork and tactics for success. When I read that one the first time through, I went competitive. Ooh, that sounds, it struck me as, you know, this isn't a competition, right? And then I read that description and with you rereading it, reminded me of this. Like, it's okay. I don't see the rules, uh, I don't use the rules quite like that, right? Like, oh, I'm going to build this thing. And if they don't know that it takes three climb checks to scale a 60-foot wall, <laughs> boy, are they going to be... I, I don't get that noodly. Yeah. You know, okay, here's a wall, here's a thing, here's a challenge, figure it out. So it goes, hey, according to the swimming rules, I can hold my breath this entire time. Ah, huh, I didn't know that. Don't care. Move it on. Learn that for next time. But I don't specifically build a swimming challenge We've got to dive down a pool that's just past your ability to make all three checks, and then you've got to get. I nah, I don't, I don't go for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Too one. much math. Uh, appropriately challenging, 
consistently presents encounters that are challenging enough to be interesting, but not so difficult that they are discouraging to players. Yes, that's pretty important. And this is where I, you know, where I say screw balance type of thing is like they have to be challenging and interesting. They don't have to be, you know, CR equals level divided by the square root of pi. It doesn't have to be that way, right? But yeah, I think that's pretty important. Patient. Don't time. Move it on. <laughs> I didn't even finish the question. I know. Let's the group move at their own pace to give players the time to look up rules or make a decision. Ooh. What? I think it would be good if I was. <laughs> but I also don't like dawdling, right? So I think there's I think there's a fine line there. There's the okay, look up the spell, do your thing. But we've talked about this before. If every time it comes to Brett's turn, I'm like, oh, hang on, let me see what the fireball spell does again. Oh, for God's sakes. Right? How, how do I attack again? Oh, fuck. You know? Eh. There's got to be... No. I, I mean, there's there's a fine line there. you got to be patient enough. But you can't let people just linger forever. I'll drive me bananas. Organized. Keeps things organized with notes and rules, references ready ahead of time to keep the game moving. I've got an answer around here somewhere. Hang on. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's I think it's important. the The first question, like you know, being able to make on the fly decisions, um, quick witted, so on and so forth. I think that helps, right? So it helps to minimize the amount of notes and prep and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, you want to be able to have an answer. And even if that answer sometimes is like, you know, I don't know right now, I'll get back to you. We've talked about that type of thing in the past too. It doesn't have to be that you know the name of the innkeeper's second cousin's first child. You, you don't need to know that. That's not that critical. But the important things you should know. Right? If you had a table of names, you'd be fine. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple for, for, name, for names. But, you know, I've... If I don't happen to remember how the swimming rules are in earlier, I'll be able to find them quick. I got to say, though, I think that if you got somebody that was really organized and somebody that was eh, somewhat, there's a difference. You can oh. noticeably tell how they run a game. You, It's tighter. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if it's something that they're – when I say – when I hear organized, I think ready to run. Sure. Like you have what you need to run and be effective. Go. Versus, hey, you want to play D and D? I guess. Um, yeah. Sure. Well, <laughs> what, what are we doing tonight? <laughs> sure. I know how to run. I can DM. Uh, yeah. Let's sit down. Let's go. Make I some got character. something. Make some characters. What are you gonna do? Hang on. Got it. Autiog in space. I don't know where that came from, but I got it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. You know, I mean, in space. I don't know how I got it, but we're doing it. Genius. Brett, genius. genius. I love it. But yeah. But organized means. You know, ready to run, prepared. Right. You're, yeah. You've got what you need so you can go. Yeah. All right. How long you want to go, man? We're over an hour. You want to keep rolling? Yeah, we'll keep going. I don't All know right. how many we got of this thing. We might be like not only halfway through. I don't know. All right. Keep going. Um, storyteller weaves a compelling story using spoken words, both by portraying characters with distinct voices and describing locations and objects in an engaging way. I think that's kind of medium. The, yeah. uh, I love, I like trying to be evocative and trying to use good language and all that stuff and trying to get people to feel certain things. But sometimes a, a quick description, an allusion to something else. We've talked about that before. Hey, you know that scene in uh, Minus Tirith when that, yeah, it looks like that, but blue. Oh, cool. Great. 
and people are off and running. Um, it's important, but if you're not, and, and this is where, I mean, I've talked about Matt Colville before. He has been told, and he said so, that because he's not a trained actor, he has no business being a dungeon master in streaming because mm. he's oh, not yeah, a trained actor, this, yeah. you know, which is absolute horseshit. And the same thing here. If you're not an accomplished storyteller with great oration and you're not a thespian and you don't have, you don't need that. You know, I think it's more important that you can, you, you figure that stuff out and you continue to work at it. But I don't think it's, it's not do or die. All right. Trying to find out what number we're on. <laughs> That's all right. We'll go for all a right. bit more. Go for a bit more. All right. Uh, focuses on the players, understands their intentions, and interprets them correctly. Oh, that's huge. Not me. I don't care. Yeah, we're Sean. That doesn't fuck. matter. I don't, you, you don't make sense, and I can't understand you. Well, that's your problem. But but, but I didn't want it up. You do that. You turn left. I want to turn right. Too bad. Right. You turn left. But, yeah. but I want to turn left. Too bad. All right. No, that's important, though. You got to listen to your players. got to listen to them. I guess you can listen to them. How, how you handle it is up to you. Yeah, I mean, that's up to you. It's a whole different ballgame. All right. Collaborative works with players as the game progresses rather than dictating the story or forcing the action to follow a predetermined script. Otherwise known as a railroad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Collaborative is key. That's that's important. Right. I was reading a thing in the back of the uh, Osric rulebook the other day, and it, uh, I'll paraphrase Stuart Marshall, I think, is the one who said it. He's like, story is the outcome of the game. A story is created at the end, right? And we're not perfectly crafting a thing all the way through to make sure that all the right choices and keywords and stuff are hit. Um, again, paraphrasing, adding some of my own language there. But yeah, you've got to be collaborative, work with people. All right. Because otherwise it's a board game. Let's see, next one. Tactically cunning plays the monsters as cunning foes during combat encounters, especially by using knowledge of the rules. I think that's medium, medium high. All right. Wow, we got a few to go. Okay, we'll start. Well, let's bust through, man. Go, go. Clear speaks clearly and in a way that makes it easy to understand oh, what is happening oh, during the game. Sorry, what? <laughs> 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 yeah, that, that's that's huge, and it, this is not just enunciation diction. How loud are you, type of thing? But taking the time to say, okay, let's set the stage. Hang on, this is here. This is here. Being uh, just clear as to what the scene is, making sure people's questions are answered and all that stuff. Yeah, that's important. People I can't wait to see on. how they tackle that. <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna yeah. do, wizards? Every game comes with your own speech coach. Yay! This is awesome. This is a professional storyteller who is assigned to you. Yeah, the hell you can you fix that one? do you have problems enunciating? Do you have problems with with vocabulary and finding select words to express so this, to your I mean, players? How would you fix that, right? Do you have the proper box text, right? I don't know. Well, I suppose, yeah. So if you have decent box text, decent read aloud to the players, that can help. If it's so if I so okay, so the difference would be exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you still have if you still got you know a mouthful of gumbo while you're trying to read the box text, it's still gonna sound like shite, right? It doesn't matter. Put the pizza down, finish what's in your mouth, don't speak with your mouthful, oh, and man. work on it. What's next? All right. 
Loremaster has a deep understanding of the story and history of the campaign setting, able to answer any questions that come up during play. Uh, I think that's medium. We've talked about that before, and I, I don't think this is a, uh, I think a fallacy that keeps people from becoming dungeon masters. I don't know all that stuff. Oh my God, I'll never yeah. be ready. Don't get, do not fall into that trap. people. That's my opinion. And I think Sean agrees with me there is don't do that. You need to know enough to get going. I don't know the Forgotten Realms last 30 years of history. Yeah, nobody does. I don't think Ed Greenwood knows it all either. Just Dude, Delta it. Green's freaking handler's guide guide oh, fucking intense dude it's like 300 pages of all flavor stuff all setting no rules i'm like none of the players need to know any of that what you do is you, car you, you carve through that for cool inspiration so that yes. you make sure by the time you're done reading that you know what a delta green op feels like right and you're good to go yeah and i i hint and grab at stuff and move on but they don't didn't know any of that shit yeah so yeah don't get caught i mean seriously if you've got a friend out there who's thinking of game mastering and they'd never be ready, help that person understand you don't have to be a lore master. It is not a requirement. Don't do it. Don't uh, rules there. expert has a deep understanding of the rules, able to answer any questions that come up during play. Should be able to find answers and help people locate them, yes. But um, I don't think it is possible to know every rule for the entire game. 5e is a lot less complicated than 3.0. I think it's even less complicated than 4. Um, if you take all the rules for 2nd edition, add all the splat books and everything into it, the rules and options, I mean, there's, there's no fucking way. You need to be able to find them. Or have enough see previous entry, make quick decision, move on, and so forth. <laughs> Injects humor into the game. No, it's dead serious all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's important that don't let fun. Brett fool you. He's a straight laced, no yeah, uh -huh. freaking bullshitting around. I'm no. like at the game table guy. Yeah, there's there's no fun to be had. I stab, <laughs> I stab people for that. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that. No, there's fu fun. Is, you think you that's gotta, funny? This isn't funny, Johnny. <laughs> you gotta have fun. If you're, I mean, come on, you gotta have a laugh or two. Because sometimes some of the shit is just fucking absurd. It's so absurd. Yeah. Uh, flexible adapts their campaign to the players' preferences and desires. What? Not important to this guy. I think to the conversation we just had about uh, Tom's um, request in campaign talk and stuff, I think it's important to have some adjustments, you know. But at the big, if you've had a decent discussion up front, you've had a good session zero, you've been very clear on expectations all around. This isn't going to be that painful, right? <sighs> Whatever. Yeah. So, low, medium, low. <laughs> <laughs> Improvisational. Changes in adventure during a session in response to the character's actions. I like doing that. That's fun. Man, all this bullshit about players? Come on. Started, I like doing that stuff, though. Starting to get into floofy, floofy area territory. Now, we've talked about this before as well, right? Does the world keep spinning? No matter what you do, the mm. bad guys' plots advancing, so on. But as we've also said, when you do a certain thing and it injects into the clock, the thing that's spinning, what's that reaction? How does what what does that occur? Instead of it being the static thing that occurs, like a like Skyrim or, or a computer game, where that quest line remains open forever. You know, I don't buy that. I like to have it. I like to have it be a little more 
if you're doing things that are impacting the world, then the world will, the world around you, at least in the short version, will be shaped by your actions. That makes sense to me. It's such wise words from Brett. Yeah, it's the pain meds talking. Sweet. Runs games with high energy and enthusiasm that draw the players into the story. Oh, yes, that's interesting. <laughs> yes. I tend to, I like to be as high energy as I can. Running at home, I've actually found now that I've got a, a different webcam, I can stand up when I run. Yeah. Which helps me a lot because I don't like running from sitting at all. I don't like sitting and running. Yeah, yeah, yeah standing desk, so you can do roll 20 standing. I do. I have a, this camera now. I just tip it up. I can stand. Very nice. That's super nice. Perks of being a director, I guess. Yeah, it helps. Creates vivid descriptions and unique adventures. Yes, the sky was blue over the green grass where the down brown dirt path leads to the hole in the ground. <laughs> I would love yeah. to see. I want. I would want, love to see some of these that we make fun of and actually contradict them and actually do them. Oh, so creates vivid descriptions and unique adventures. Very important. So, thank you for joining me this evening uh, at D&D uh, adventure uh, scenario. Your characters start out in an end. It's wood made out of deep oak, probably cut from the tree down the road. <laughs> exactly. that had stood there hand for hundreds hewn. of years. You can tell by the beams <laughs> that are hand-hewn by a left-handed gnome using an adze. <laughs> Which is an ancient device. About, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yes, yes, that's lovely. Did he use a draw knife? Oh, left-handed draw knife, of course, left-handed draw knife. Uh, yeah. I think that type of question, I'm like, okay, yeah, of course I want that. You know, I want somebody who gives sure. vivid descriptions and stuff, but sometimes it's not. And this is, again, when the DM's like, oh, I don't have your up-and-coming game master. Even players like, oh, I don't have that. I'm not that creative. What they mean to say is they're not eloquence too strong, but they don't have, they don't know how to describe things on the fly. That's a topic coming up on our show too. And you don't have to. You could say, my character is basically Bilbo, but with an ax. If that works for you, that's fine. You know, you, it, it comes down to what does it take to set it in your mind? You know, and um, you don't have to be this wonderful author um, to, to, to do all that stuff. So, Just gotta anyway. get some paper craft. Take it to old school DM oh, standards. <laughs> yeah. You're good to go. If you can do that, you just throw it down there. Let the players wallow in your in that wonder for like a half hour. You don't have to describe anything. You just lay it out there beautifully for them. You see what is on the table. The table. Questions? Be, I'm going to get a beer. I'll be back. Tell me what <laughs> questions you have. Because they'll spend an hour ooing and eyeing. You did, not, you did not ask me what kind of stone that was. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed, player. Yes. Fair. Adjudicates rules without favoring one player over another or without tilting the odds in favor of the players or monsters. Yeah, I think so. I think that's Whatever. I've always got a favorite. I got to say, I tend to, I'm a fan of the players. I want them to have a good time. I want them to have fun, you know. But at the end of the day, bad decisions, if they cause your character to get gacked because, hey, it is what it is. <laughs> fair is fair. Uh, let's see. Have you ever been a dungeon master? I think we're wrapping up, which is cool. Good. Why did Why did you start DMing? So, no one else wanted to be the DM. That's one reason. I wanted to create my own stories. Yes. I wanted to play a new edition. Yes. I want. <laughs> Brett's checking. Seriously, I'm like thinking, why? I wanted yeah. to keep my group going. Yes. I found a new adventure slash module I wanted to try. 
Yeah, game system, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw a celebrity or online personality I admire acting as a DM. No, that's they, such things did yeah, not exist. That well, did not what exist. That's all about <laughs> that did not exist when I was in third grade. That was not a thing. Uh, so I think honestly, though, that one of the main reasons at the end of the day was I've said this before jokingly, but also serious is I wanted games run the way I wanted them run. Hmm. It's part of its control freak thing. Well, it says but, I wanted to be a storyteller. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. That's kind of it in a way because. Oh, here it is. Yeah. It says right here. I wanted to run slash direct the game. There you go. That's that would be the 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 main one. I gotcha. Because I I I like to. I feel I'm good at it, and I like to, as I said, with my homebrew games, I put the things in it I like, and I like to be creative and collaborative with my players and all and all that good stuff. And I distinctly remember seeing or watching other game masters run stuff. And as I hinted before, with some of the terrible game masters I tried, or people who thought they were really good, blah blah blah. I'm like, man, if I were doing this, I would have done this. Why did you just say no? That would have been so much cooler if. And man, it would have been neat if. Well, you gotta put your money where your mouth is, right? At some point, this is the way. This is how I want to do it. We should pose that question to the the forums. Actually, why did you start game mastering? And why did you start playing? Is different, I guess. Game mastering is a little more of a jump, though. It is, and I find I would find more people that are starting out are like, "Hey, I just started game master. I just started dungeon master." Like, why? Yeah. Like, why? what what gave you the itch to do it? Was it? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I just, and, and it is legit to answer. I saw Matt Mercer do it. I thought it'd be fun. Sure, that's an absolutely legit answer. I yeah. saw it's a Teen Phoenix run it. I thought that'd be cool. Right. Fucking legit. There's nothing wrong. And we joke about that. Like, oh, I saw a celebrity. There's absolutely nothing wrong no. with the fact that you saw Joe Manganiello. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Well, wow. I do it because I want to be Joe. I want to be like 6'5", ripped, and this is Dungeon just one Master, path. like movie stars and producers. This is, this is just one of the paths. I'm, Sean's checking off the first box. I want to play with Tom Morello. Game I want to run a game for Tom Morello. <laughs> so Sean's got the Game Master checked. He's uh, <laughs> He's got that part down. He's working on the ripped and uh, stretching himself every night to try to get to be 6'5". <laughs> All right, let's go on. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah. What year did you first DM? You remember, Brett? Let me think. It would have been, I think, fourth grade. Fourth so grade, one year. Fourth, ninth, fourth, fifth grade, yeah. It's crazy. I yeah. can imagine... Imagine fourth grade Brett running a game. It'd be terrible. Oh my it was God. Redbox. It was Redbox, man. Yeah. Yeah. It was like fifth, sixth grade. I got into game mastering. Again, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't get anybody to play. So the next question is: Which editions of tabletop D and D have you ever DM'd? First, second, third, fourth? I'm not. I've no never big... DM'd fourth. Neither. Have I've I. only played. I've never played or ran fourth. I played it. I played it for a, a very long session. It was okay. Um, it's kind of meh. Just didn't didn't wow me. Um, in the la- in the past twelve months, about what percentage of your overall D and D playing time has been spent DMing? Half. Twelve months. Half. Yeah. That's pretty I, good. I run I run half the t- the other half the time I'm playing, which is crazy now because strike that I would say three quarters. So it would be strike. Hold on. Three games, two thirds. Two thirds of the time, I'm DMing. Hmm. Now that's including games that aren't Dungeons and Dragons, but I'm game mastering. 
still more than playing, but now I'm playing more than I have in a very long time, which is pretty cool. What do you personally do to prepare for a D&D session, whether as a DM or as a player? This I don't I don't know how much in the weeds we want to get into these because they're pretty open. Yeah, these are pretty open. A lot of it for me is like checking notes. I take enough notes, review stuff, um, and I think a lot. We've talked about this before, you know, what is prep? Right. Prep for a game. A lot of it for me is like, oh, I got a game tonight. Like earlier this, this last weekend, I thought, huh. They took out the two pandangalons. What's coming next? Oh, yeah, Nick's got followers now. Oh, what should I do about that? I'll go read their downtime emails. Answer downtime emails. Okay, cool. Yeah, all right. I, I put a lot of thought on it. I don't write stuff down, per se. Get back, review the session notes. We always take notes from each session, publish them out there. We go over it, refresh everybody's mind, and then we kick into the game. And by then, I've had a week to two weeks to think about what could possibly happen based on what they do and then we just roll with it and that's just and that's not like i'm so awesome at it it's just experience i just know that works for me it's interesting they put down aura as a player as well which i'm wondering like what the responses would be for as player i review my notes hmm. well because you're and i also wonder how that plays off knowing and having dungeon mat like dm all the time oh a lot right you can tell at least for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like any digital aids to play tabletop D&D, like an online character builder, digital tabletop, and or video meeting platform? Yes. Everybody should answer yes just to get wizards to make one anyway. <laughs> and if you don't use it, man, eh, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, at least it's there. <laughs> That's right. Their, uh, their character builder isn't bad. No. D&D Beyond, their character builder isn't bad. Well, that's, I don't even know if that's really Wizards. I think D&D Beyond be separate, I think. Oh, well, whatever. I'm just right. saying I, I use yes. that. Roll I agree. 20, Roll 20 works You know, for online character sheets, which are my buddies and I use it for. But knock, yeah. knock, knock, D&D Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, before the COVID-19 pandemic, where or how did you typically play tabletop D&D? At home, a friend's house, at school or work, in a public place, library, coffee shop, Yeah, mine was always store. at my buddy's house or online. Yeah, same here. I mean, that, and honestly, it hasn't changed much. We've done more online, but still periodically, I still game at home. And part of it is because my kids are here, so I'm still gaming at home slash friend's house online. So that hasn't changed with pandemic or without. And honestly, I think I'm going to game the same amount now, even when it's when it's over. Other than the fact that conventions aren't here, you know? Right. Play locations. We can go for, kind of skip that. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, oh, over the past several months, they get into that. Clo uh, when many non-essential places were temporarily closed and social distancing measures were put into place, where, how did you play tabletop D&D? Online. And in my club. house. Yeah, casually in a store. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, there's some more options. Next one, with stores eventually reopening and the loosening of some social distancing measures, how do you think your tabletop D&D play frequency at the following locations will change going forward? It's not going to change. I don't game at stores. In person with friends, family, yeah, home. Yeah, it's not going to change. Yeah, mine either. Play I locations. Think they, they, the interesting thing that with the play locations to me is that the online piece, a lot of people, oh, I'm going to game online more. I've heard that many times. From our listeners, other people, I'm gaming more now than I ever have because I'm stuck at home. 
Right. I and a lot of folks are like, well, my home group, we just moved online. Uh, that's the way to go. We still want to keep gaming. That's what we did. Yeah, and uh, I know some some groups may well die because somebody somewhere is like, nope, I will not be online. I will only game in person, and or they just won't make it or can't. Or make their it or, internet sucks. Yeah, ass. that's that's, that's what's probably going the to. biggest problem. Like rural America's internet blows. In some areas it's pretty. It's quite bad. Yes, oh, I feel bad, man. That's a, yeah. the only reason keeping me near civilization. Seriously, like <laughs> no, I I'd move you. to the boondocks, man. If, I know Brett's like, I've got good internet somewhere, but I'm like, eh. I mean, we'll good is relative, right? Depending what right. you're trying to do. <laughs> Stream? Eh. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, play locations in another public place. Um, then it talks about it virtually with friends and family. And then it's like little same restrictions, same play locations. Yeah, nothing's really going to change. Which of the following d and This is interesting. Which of the following D&D game designers have you heard of? Mm-hmm. Remember that one? Dave yeah. Arneson? All of them. I listed all of them. Dave Cook, Monty Cook, yeah. Jeremy Crawford, Ed Greenwood, Jeff Grubb, Gary Gygax. Who's Gary Gygax? I don't know. Some guy. Weird name. Rob. <laughs> Weird name. So the guy's last name is Blazinski. Gary <laughs> Rob Heinsu, Tracy yeah. Hickman. Uh, yeah. uh, which, well, let's hold on a second. So let's go quick. Dave, Dave Arneson, yes. one of the co creators of DD. Dave Cook. I don't. He does his name escapes me. David Zeb Cook. Second edition. Zeb. Zeb That's why I, I know David Zeb. Zeb Cook. Okay. Second edition. Uh, Monty Cook. Yes. Cookie Monster. Yes. Some th- 3-0 guy. Ass. Jesus. Yeah. Hell of a punch. Beat up Brad at Gamehole Con one year. Yeah, made me sad. Jeremy Crawford. Yep. D&D D&D guy. Five, fifth Ed. Ed mm-hmm. Greenwood. Forgotten yep. Realms. Forgotten Realms. Jeff Grubb. D&D. A lot of second edition stuff. Uh, Gary Gygax. One of the founders. Yeah, Rob Heinsu. Yep. Fourth edition. Third edition. Yep. Tracy Hickman. Dragonlance uh, Dragon and uh, Ravenloft. Yep. Uh, let's see. Chris Perkins. Chris Perkins, yep. Some D&D guy, 5 ish I think. Some DM guy, yeah. R.A. Salvatore, a.k.a. Bob. Rums. Bob. Yeah. Drizzt. Wolfgar, Drizzt, Icewind Dale, the whole bit. Jonathan Tweet. Mm-hmm. 3-0. He is 3-0. on what he is, he is on what book? Um, DM's Guide? No, that's not. Th- oh, Player's Handbook? What one are you talking about? He's a, he's a, so the Skip Williams, yeah, Jonathan Tweet and Monty Cook, they all did three O, and uh-huh. each one has a book. So Monty did the DM guide. Okay. Skip did. Did he do the Monster Manual? I can't remember. Anyway, and then, okay. And then Jonathan did the Player's Handbook. Am I get that Could right? Could be. Because uh, no, Tweet and Heinzo did the. Um, they did Thirteenth uh, Age. They did do Thirteenth Age, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Margaret Weiss. Yep, Dragonlance. Dragonlance. Uh, let's see. That's it. Demographics. Then they get into diversity and inclusion, male, female. Uh, what's your age? Uh, and that's it. Whoops, and there's a picture of my dogs. <laughs> it's a so pretty that's comp- it. It's we, a, ma- it. We made it through. Ooh, took a while. It's pretty comprehensive. It's got some, and like we said kind of at the top of this, we ran really long today, folks, so appreciate everybody sticking out this long. But I think, if nothing else, some of those questions are things like, for me, I found it more introspective. Like, huh, why do I do that? Do I really like that? You know, you don't have to be honest. It's <laughs> a survey. No one's going to check you. There's no survey police to stop you. Oh, but uh, I took it police. I took it pretty seriously. Went, huh, do I like this? Do I not like this? It's interesting to me, too, when I'll be like, yeah, I really, I think this is really important. 
and or excuse me, just really really important. Or yes, I love all these editions. When's the last time I actually played one? Huh? It's actually been a while. It just comes down to time, and that's where when the question is in a perfect world, flat field, sunny day, no cross breeze. How many times would I game? I play different versions, right? That that's part of it for me. It's like I. And digging through D and D books and stuff, I've uh, started cracking into my second edition stuff. I'm like, there's a lot of good shit in here. Yeah, people get pissed off about Thacko or didn't like this that. I don't like the fact that they were they took devils and demons out, made Batazuna and Tanari and whatnot. But there's some pretty interesting stuff in there, and I have a lot of very very fond memories of second edition. I spent a lot of time playing second edition D and I mean, that came out while I was still in high school, and that was all through college, right? That was, that was the addition for a very, very long time. So I have a lot of fond memories of that game. But anyway. Nola Burt mentioned how he said he took two of his home group members swore off online play. Then when they saw how long this was going to last, changed their minds. <laughs> That's, hey, you want to uh, play or never play? Like, uh, I think that actually got a couple of my guys, my home group. Did like, they? Ah, yeah. ah, grumble, grumble. Like, okay, look, I'm going to run online. Yeah. Oh, when are we going to do this? I don't know. Oh, good point. Yeah. You want to play not or be not? that Barry guy. No. Robert. <laughs> but, but you want to, it's kind of like you want to play or not, dude. Yeah. Because <laughs> this, this is how I'm running. Let's get into die roll. Yeah, let's wrap this up. All right. Die roll 2d4 miscellaneous points game in geekery. We've got two, and then we'll call it a, a show. Uh, first one, Spotlight on Riffs. I thought this was a pretty decent article. Um, BOL uh, online. Tends to put out some non-clickbaity stuff. It actually seems like they're decent content. So Megan Colloran, um, apologize if I pronounced your last name incorrectly, Megan, but she did a spotlight on Riffs on BOL. And if you're not familiar with Riffs, I thought it was pretty good. And uh, I'm not a big Riffs guy. My buddy Jimmy is. But nonetheless, oh, I forgot that about that. Thanks for putting in there. No problem. Um, second one, Level Up Advanced 5th Edition. Announced by EN World. So Morris and the gang over at EN World, um, BOL, put out an article, and then we linked to EN World about this. Level Up is the working title for a standalone advanced 5e, uh, backwards compatible tabletop RPG coming to Kickstarter 2021 from EN Publishing. A crunchier, more flexible version of the 5e rule set, which you know and love. If you love 5e but would like a little more depth to the rule set, Level Up is the game for you. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know either, but I know some people will be like, rah, 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 yeah, oh, gobble, yeah, totally. Gobble it up. So the one I threw out there is the new Twilight 2000. Yeah, uh, role baby. playing in World War III that never was. That Kickstarter's live. Sean, did you back that one? Uh, I had to. So did I. I never played Twilight 2000. I have. Once and by play Twilight 2000, we made characters like yeah, yeah, and then it died. Right. We made characters <laughs> and then the game. Then we had to go home for whatever, and then it never happened. Yeah, Aww. yeah, I got in on that. Yeah, and it's my free league. How did you? How deep did you so, go? Oh, did you go question. Did, did you go metal box? No, no, I almost did. I almost went metal box, but now I'm gonna. I'm afraid if down. I got the metal box, it would be just too overkill. Yeah, I like stepped that. down to just the regular box. Went to the regular yeah. box on that one. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, they're good. And Free League puts out, like, Crestum and the, yeah, they just put out some really great stuff. Dennis Detweiler is, uh, 
a uh, guy I follow. I follow him on uh, on yes. Twitter, and he's a Delta Green guy. Yep. Um, he's very outspoken. I'm uh, a patron his, of his now. He's very outspoken in his uh, political point of view, and uh, someone had posted a "Hey, Twilight 2000 Kickstarter is live," and uh, whether you like his politics or not, his his response was, "I hear there's a mandatory LARP for 2021 coming." <laughs> <laughs> worldwide mandatory LARP or something like that. Like, oh, Dennis. I started watching, Dennis. and I should probably, I should probably put this in there. I started watching the Arc Dream Publishing Delta Green video from Gen Con, so from Virtual Gen Con, where it was the Delta Green gang. Dennis was on there. Ken Height. Yeah. Posted a picture of Ken. Ken recording from his house, which like I was like, oh my god, what a surprise! Yeah, it's, it's his exactly home office is like just. He looks like he's gonna get. Drowned under books at he any minute. He didn't acknowledge me for some reason. No, at any minute, he could be killed by the books that are surrounding him. Yes. But that was good. They're talking about some of the products that are being produced and and probably not going to happen. But uh, yeah, it was good. But yeah, Dennis is interesting. So that's the episode for this week. Uh, Brett, what are we talking about next week? We're going to talk about make it make it even interesting. Yeah, we're going to go back yeah. to that. All right, awesome. So yeah, tune in here. Monday nights, 8 o'clock Central Time here on Twitch. We'll be also uploading this to YouTube as well. Um, and then I run Delta Green, not this Thursday, but the following Thursday at 8 p.m. Check That's the right. schedule down below. Thanks for everybody that joined us in the t- chat. Uh, we appreciate it. Otherwise, I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game and all. This episode of Gaming in BS brought to you by the following producers the duke in purple eric salzwedo brett pazinski graham minor Corey Wynn, ed nice coast gm jay plata george sedgwick stefan dragonspawn adam groth john jared rasher dollar adventure frameworks jason weeb Ray Otis, Eric Frankhouse, Daniel Garrett, Jim Ingram, Curtis Hinson, Rory Weston, Mike Hess Jr., Ron Blessing, Mark Soam, Hus Carl, Hus Carl, Eric Tavola, Henry Newcomb, Melissa Bashinsky, Harrigan, David F. Baylog, Andy Hall, Rich Wishon, Brian. Brian Rumble, Jeff Code, Niall Diamond, Corey Gonzalez, John Keyword, Jeff Seifert, Andy Olson, Michael Dinos, Old School DM, Eric Avia, Perry Besor, Laramie Wall, Robert Nemeth, Angus, Josh Wallace, Howard Bishop, Craig, Roger Braslick, Cy, Chad Glayman, Thomas Hook, Mark Richmond, Ron Bishop, Larry Hout, Old Scouser Role Playing, Jim Fitzpatrick, Craig Huber, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Pure Mongrel, Wayne Humfleet, Marco Froilich, Mark Tasaka, Jason Hobbs, Chris Steele, Tony Shukaloaf Baker, and Joe Swick. Hey! If you've liked what you've heard in this episode, go tell a friend. Bring it up to your game group. 
let them know that we exist and that they can pull it up in their favorite podcatcher. Thanks, BSers. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.